You're listening to Shalise's podcast. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to kick off this new series. I'm very excited to be sharing with you guys what we're going to be going over in the next few episodes. So, all right, well, let's pray. Father, I thank you for yet another broadcast. And I thank you that this topic is on your heart, and that's why you put it on mine. And so, Holy Spirit, we just yield. We yield to your amazing teaching gift. And we thank you that you are teaching in this series. You're teaching us how to stay in our right mind, how to live from a place where we are operating in the mind of Christ, where we are abiding in the vine and experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. And that, Father, there is a new way of living for those of us that have been recreated in Christ. And it is our portion to live in a place of life and peace. And, Father, we just give you permission to just, I don't know, wreck our minds, uh, renew our minds and bring us into this place of elevated thinking. Uh, speak through my mind, speak through my mouth, think through my mind and unveil the mysteries of the kingdom through this uh, podcast series. And Father, we just thank you that you're drawing those that need to hear this message uh, and that this is going to be a life transforming teaching. So we just receive your best. We receive everything that belongs to us in Christ. And we thank you, Father, for massive shifts in people's lives as they listen and absorb and apply the things that you are teaching us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hello and welcome to the new series. I am very excited to be kicking this off. There's going to be, uh, I think, four episodes is what we're planning right now. We'll kind of see how it goes. But the name of this series is kind of, it sounds like a little bit of a joke, but I just really felt like I got it straight from the Holy Spirit. And it was a question. And he said, are you in your right mind? And as someone who has really gone through their own healing journey, my own healing journey to operate from a place of sound mindedness, you know, I mean, I, in my early twenties and, and really throughout my twenties, I mean, I struggled with depression. Uh, I was in traditional type of talk therapy, um, just because I had experienced so much trauma and over the course of my life. And so this for me has been a very personal, uh, topic (laughs) because for a large, you know, for over half of my life at this point, I felt like I wasn't in my right mind. I actually felt like I was crazy. I felt like I uh, did not have a sound mind. And regardless if that's your story, regardless if you came, you know, have a history of depression or anxiety or just a torment or trauma in your, in your life, the truth is that all of us uh, can and are called by God to think a certain way. And this certain way is described in scripture in Romans chapter eight as the mind of Christ. Uh, And we are gonna be diving into just really the contrast between what it means to live uh, spiritually minded and what it means to live what the what the Bible and the King James Version refers to as carnally minded. So there are these two 
minds, if you will, that are always available to us and which one we operate out of is going to determine how we experience the world, how we how we show up in the world, how and and, and it's really going to govern our inner world. It's going to govern our emotional world. It's going to going to determine whether we are in faith or we are in fear. I mean, our thoughts are extremely powerful. Uh, they, in fact, are creative. In Proverbs, you've heard the scripture, you know, is a man thinking in his heart, so is he. So thoughts are tangible, even though they are invisible. And so let's hop in to the series, really with really what I think will be the foundation scripture for the series. Of course, we'll be jumping off into other scriptures as well and going wherever the Holy Spirit leads. But I wanted to read it. Uh, it's from Romans chapter eight. And I wanted to read it to you in just the new King James version, because that seems to be the, the version of it that most of us are familiar with. And I think it's really a simple uh, version of that scripture, but it's Roman eight. Uh, six. And we'll, we'll hop around a little bit and read some of the context as well. But let's just start in Romans 8, 6. Here's what it says. It says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so here in Romans 6, it's, it's breaking out the two options for us that we can either be carnally minded and it says that when we are carnally minded, we it, it's death. It's its death. I mean, it, it couldn't be more plain. But when we are spiritually minded, we experience life and peace. And so I want to just start off a little bit with some definitions about what it means to be carnally minded and what it means to be spiritually minded. And that word carnal and uh, it, it is translated flesh sometimes in different uh, translations. And then there's all kinds of teachings out there around what is the flesh and, and how does that operate in us? And are we resisting the flesh? Are we buffeting the flesh? And, and so how do we deal with this flesh? And um, what I want to share first off is just the definition of carnal is really just meaning to be natural, to be naturally minded, to be humanly minded. Uh, the word carnal is the same word that we, you know, kind of the root that we get carnivore, the word carnivore from. And it just means of this human. It just means human. It means flesh. It means of the natural realm. And I think it's very interesting that to be naturally minded, to be humanly uh minded is considered death here, according to Romans uh, 8.6. But there is another way of thinking that is called being spiritually minded. And we really want to, I want to dive into this a little bit more. And I want to go to another scripture um, that I think really helps us kind of unpack this uh, and dive into it. Okay. And I'm going to go to Proverbs chapter 3. Okay, and Proverbs chapter three in just the NIV translation says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It says in all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Uh, fear the Lord and shun evil. So let me just read it in a couple of other translations. So uh, let's look at it again in. Let's look at the New Living Translation. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. It says, seek his will in all that you do and he will show you which path to take. It says, do not be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. 
And if we read it just one more time in the King James translation, let me see if I can find it in this, this particular Bible. Okay, yeah. Um, it says it this way. Let me just go back to it. It says, trust in the Lord with all uh, your heart. This is the New King James Version. And lean not on your own understanding. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. In other translation, it says he will direct your path. And then in verse seven, it says, uh, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Okay, so I want to talk about this, this relationship between being carnally minded, being naturally minded, and being um, leaning on your own understanding and, and what that means to be wise in your own eyes. And to really understand this mind, we have the, the carnal mind, the, 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 the natural mind, the mind of the flesh. Okay. Then we have to really go back to the beginning when mankind started operating out of a mind that was independent from God's mind, otherwise known as the mind of Christ. Okay. And at the fall, uh, you know that uh, Eve ate of this tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, she gave it to Adam and Adam ate. And, you know, the, the commandment that God had given them is that they were not to eat of that tree, that if they ate of that tree, that they would surely die. And I think it's really interesting that to be carnally minded is death and to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil leads to death. And so I want to propose that to be carnally minded is to operate out of a place where we are eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you go back to the account of what happened in Genesis, there was a, a an awakening of sorts um, that happened after Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 2. And I'm just going to read about what happened after Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so we're going to go to um, verse six. It says this. It says, so when the, woman, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and she ate. Okay, and I want to also propose here that this is where our own understanding entered the picture. Okay, it's very interesting that Eve saw that this tree would make her wise. And so there is a wisdom that is not from God. It is the wisdom of this world. It is the wisdom that, you know, the enemy did not know of, that if he would have known, then he would have uh, not crucified Christ. So there is a way of thinking. There is a wisdom that is not of God. And its origin is right here in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And verse seven, here's what it says. It says, after they ate, right? It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed feed leaves together and made themselves coverings. So it is very interesting here that there is an opening or an awakening that happens right after they eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what I want to propose is that this awakening was an awakening of the carnal nature of the, of the independent nature that, you know, we operate out of many times by default. 
where we wake up in the morning and we are under the illusion that somehow we are separate from God, that we are independent from God. It's this big lie, I, I tell, uh, is what I call it. It's where God is, you know, up in heaven and here we're here down on earth. And when we pray, we're speaking to God, you know, independently here, trying to get our prayers, bombarding the gates of heaven, trying to get a prayer through, you know, all of these language, all this language we have around prayer that comes from this illusion that we are somehow separated from God. And in Christ, we are one. We are the temple. We are, uh, we've been joined to the Lord as one spirit with him. But this carnality, this, this thinking of as an independent being is what Proverbs chapter three is referring to when it says, don't be wise in your own eyes. And so there's this link between our eyes and wisdom and the way that we see things, the way that we see ourselves. I mean, the, the, the self-perception of Adam and Eve immediately shifted after they eated, after they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, they went from being naked and unashamed, completely comfortable in their own identity and with their own bodies without any shame whatsoever to all of a sudden feeling shame and recognizing, you know, being self-conscious is what happened. They, they awakened to this self consciousness, this, this, this self that was apart from God. And they realized, oh my goodness, we don't, we're, we're naked. And they felt ashamed. They felt ashamed, independent from their identity that was always meant to be one with God. And so this lie of separation, this lie of independence, this lie of uh, an ability to be wise in our own eyes entered right at this moment. And what is incredible about this is that, you know, we we sometimes don't think about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil being the origin of human wisdom. And really what the knowledge of the tree of good and evil was, is right, it was this ability to judge independent from God. Judge what? Judge good and judge evil. And so we became the judge. We became the source of wisdom of right and wrong as a result of Adam and Eve eating from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this has been a problem really since then. I mean, even after Jesus uh, rose from the dead and, and completed his earthly ministry, um, we still struggle today with being wise in our own eyes and judging apart from the spirit of God and operating out of the mind of Christ. And truthfully, guys, um, being wise in your own eyes or operating out of this independent way of thinking apart from the mind of Christ, apart from the spirit of the living God is the root of pride. You know, we think pride is arrogance, but pride is independence. <laughs> yeah, that's a tweet. Pride is actually independence from God. It is the illusion that we have a self apart from God, that we are self-existent, that we are a source of anything apart from God. All throughout scripture, we are described as vessels. We are the temple, right? We are um, pots of clay, right? We are holders of 
God. But guess what? We can also be holders of the wrong spirit. We were never meant to be a force in and of ourselves. Jesus, um, the Father and the Holy Spirit, they are Lord. They are God. God is the only self-existing one. He is the creator. He is the divine source of our divine nature, but he's also the divine source of everything that we see. And his mind, it doesn't think like our mind. Okay. He doesn't think carnally. He doesn't, he doesn't think with, and I want to say led. He's not led by an understanding that comes from our five physical senses. So let's break down really what does it mean to be carnally minded? Okay. It means to be naturally minded. It means to lean on our own understanding. And at the fall, what happened when Adam and Eve's eyes were opened, what happened is they, their, their spiritual eyes were closed. They had an awakening to this natural realm, a deception of being independent from God and a self-consciousness that, that entered into their lives and a, a way of thinking and a way of judging that was independent from God. And that information is, is I've heard many teachers talk about it as sense knowledge. What do I mean by sense knowledge? I mean, knowledge that is gained through our natural minds, through our, and, and how's, how does our mind gain natural knowledge? Through our five physical senses. And so if you do any study on neuroscience, yesterday I was reading a book to some of my eMERGE students that, that really broke out the way and really explained the way the human brain works, the way that human brains interpret sensory input and really how phenomenal our brains are at doing this. I mean, we think 60,000 plus thoughts a day and the ability for our brains to to take information in and filter through it and make meaning of it of, of sensory input is really phenomenal and since we were born we have been making meaning independent from god because that's the way human beings by default operate uh, most of us weren't taught as toddlers how to think with the mind of Christ. We weren't taught how to speak uh, with, with the words of God. And so our entire lives, we have been relying on our own sensory input. We've been relying on the information that can be perceived by our five physical senses. But the truth of the matter is our five physical senses are deceived. Okay, they cannot perceive spiritual reality. I mean, unless there's, you know, you're having an open vision or some kind or, or that you're um, in the spirit, like, you know, the apostle John was on, on the island of Patmos when he wrote the book of Revelation. I mean, we are not, for the most part, operating out of a perception that is spiritual. And, you know, part of what I do, okay, as a prophet, okay, and I don't, I don't go around saying that, you know, prophet Shalise, I don't go by prophet Shalise, I don't want you to call me prophet Shalise. But I do want to talk about what the prophetic ministry is because I am a prophet. Um, and prophetic ministry, the prophets in Ephesians chapter four that, that are a part of the equipping of the body of Christ for the work of their ministry, for the 
so that they grow into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. The prophetic gift is there to awaken your spiritual senses so that you can walk in the spirit, you can walk by faith, and you can do the same works that Jesus did and even greater works because you recognize that you are one with him, that he's alive in you, and you now have the ability to to perceive what the Father is doing. You have spiritual eyes to see what is going on in heaven. It's one of the gifts of the spirit that's called the discerning of spirits. You have the ability to operate as a spiritual being with spiritual perception, right? You have the ability to hear the voice of God. You have the ability to hear the Holy Spirit. You have enlightened eyes. The apostle Paul says that in Ephesians chapter one, verse 18, that, that, that the eyes of our understanding become enlightened Okay, and when they become enlightened, we can know the hope of our calling. We can get restored into this place of operating out of the spirit and thinking spiritually minded because we are perceiving from a higher dimension. And so the prophetic gift is about awakening you, awakening the body of Christ into spiritual perception and spiritual living where the, the reality of heaven is just as real to you as the reality of the natural realm, where we do not just perceive with our five physical senses, but we perceive, actually we discern using our spiritual senses. It is an undoing of the blindness that entered into the earth when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's getting us out of the place of analyzing and thinking independently with God to thinking with God. God, to discerning the thoughts of God and operating at a higher level. And I just want to say this about prophetic ministry too, because a lot of times, and God's really been speaking to me about this. I, I went on a prayer retreat, I guess it's been about a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago. And God was really speaking about the role of prophetic ministry and the role of prophets. And he was talking to me about that there needs to be really a reformation of this because we in the body of Christ that even believe in this gift, believe in, you know, what people call the office of a prophet. I like to call it the grace of a prophet because it is a grace. It is a gifting uh, to the body of Christ. Um, but what we have, what we have traditionally thought of it as is <clears throat> it is here to help, you know, obviously proclaim the words of God to see visions for the body of Christ to corporately declare and, you know, share, this is what God is doing. This is what God is saying. And then if you're a little progressive and understanding the, you know, prophetic ministry, you'll recognize that the primary role really of a prophet is to, empower and equip the body of Christ to be prophetic. Everyone as a son of God has the ability to operate in the mind of Christ and should be operating to such a degree in the prophetic that people would mistake you for a prophet. This is not just a, a gift that, you know, we stand up on a platform and we just prophesy. No, that's not the, the purpose of the gift. The purpose is to equip you to operate out of awakened spiritual senses. But it goes beyond that. It's more than just seeing. It's more than just hearing, right? It is actually the process of materializing the spiritual realm into the natural realm. Okay, if you look at Elijah or you look at Elisha or you look at Jesus or you look at 
Uh, the Apostle Paul, you look at the apostles, you look at people throughout the Bible that, especially in the Old Testament, that were prophets, right? They were doing more than just declaring what God was saying or sharing what, what, what they saw in their visions. You guys, they were actually materializing and dematerializing uh, un the unseen realm. They were governing the earth through words and, and through what they saw, you know? Uh, Elijah did, uh, you know, did eight miracles. Elijah did 16. I mean, they were raising the dead. They were giving strategies to widows that was causing oil to multiply, right? They, they were speaking that there was going to be droughts and that there was, I mean, they were taking dominion. I mean, Jesus was operating, you know, in speaking to storms. He was turning water into wine. And so the, what we call the miraculous, was actually uh, being released because they were operating from another dimension. And this other dimension is perceivable. It is not perceivable with our carnal minds. It's not perceivable with our five physical senses. It's perceivable with our spiritual senses. And beloved, as the body of Christ, we are truly the physical manifestation in the earth of Jesus Christ. He is the head, we are his body, and we are one. And we are called to do the same works as Jesus and even greater works as Jesus the same way Jesus did through our union with the Godhead, with through our oneness with the Father, through uh, perceiving, perceiving the spiritual realm, perceiving the kingdom of God and simply operating and bringing heaven to earth everywhere we go. And so there is a spiritual perception that is not only required for us to have life and peace, but it is required for us to manifest the victory of Jesus because his kingdom is an invisible kingdom. And so to be spiritually minded means that we are operating with activated um, spiritual senses, that we are not just trapped in this realm as carnal, mere human beings. But no, we see beyond, you know, heaven has invaded earth. It invaded earth when Jesus showed up and it is here. The kingdom of heaven is within us. And this is an invisible reality. I mean, even recognizing who we are in Christ, it requires spiritual perception. Because when we go and look in the mirror and we look at our natural reflection, you know, we don't see the glory of Jesus Christ that is inside of us with our natural eyes. But the inheritance of Jesus, the full kingdom of the King of Kings is within us. And when we spiritually perceive the truth and we, we wake up to heaven's reality right now, that heaven is not up and far away, that it is a dimension and that it has been uh, all of heaven and, and the earth and heaven have been joined together again because Jesus Christ is holding all things together. He is the preeminent one. And so heaven is a right now reality. And to be spiritually minded means that we're operating from what we would say, you know, naturally is the unseen realm. Okay. Faith is, is, is seeing things that can't be perceived by the natural senses. I mean, that is what Hebrews 11 teaches us specifically in the Amplified Version. Let me go over there and just read the definition of faith in the Amplified Version. It's in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. And I'm going to go in um, the Amplified Version because I really like the way it amplifies it. 
and, and brings out this reality that there is an unseen realm that we can perceive. Okay. Here's what it says in Hebrews 11. It says, now faith is the assurance. It's the title deed. It's the confirmation of things hoped for divinely guaranteed. And it's the evidence. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Faith perceives, okay, faith perceives. Spiritual mindedness is about perceiving what cannot be revealed to the five physical senses. And so operating as a spiritual person means that I am operating from a different mind. I am operating from a different uh, type of perception. And it's what Romans chapter 8, I'm sorry, not Romans chapter 8. It's what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 refers to as the mind of Christ. So let's go back into 1 Corinthians and let's start in chapter two, and let's read a little bit about what the Apostle Paul was saying about these different kinds of of wisdom and the mind of Christ. Okay, I want to go in the uh, Passion Translation. So let me pull this up. Um, Here's what it says. Um, I'll just start in verse one. It says, my brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God or the mysteries of God, I refused to come as an expert trying to impress you with my eloquent, sweet speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic, Jesus, the crucified Messiah, that I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with reverence for God. Okay, think about how it says, don't lean on your own understanding, right? Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord, right? So the Apostle Paul was not leaning on his own understanding. He says, I was filled with reverence for God and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. The message I preached and how I preached it was not an attempt to sway you with pervasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. Listen to verse five. It says, for God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. Okay, verse six, it says, however, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature, which by the way, if you want to know what it means to be spiritually mature, you can go to Hebrews chapter five and Hebrews five says that those that are not skilled in the word of righteous, the word of righteousness are in need of milk, right? But those spiritually mature are those who have exercised their senses to discern good and evil. So spiritually mature people are operating out of discernment of good and evil, not out of a human uh, wisdom, wise in their own eyes, operating out of judgment and making meaning based on the physical realm, based upon their five physical senses and their own programming and their own upbringing and their own experiences. They're not thinking with their carnal mind. Spiritually mature people discern. They're perceiving from another place, from the mind of God. Okay, it says, um, it is not the wisdom that this, it's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. 
says, instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God. This is wisdom from above. This is wisdom that is pure and peaceable and easy to be entreated. This is wisdom that does not come out of the human mind. Okay. It says this wonderful wisdom that comes from God hidden before now in a mystery. It is this secret plan destined for the ages to bring us into glory. Verse eight, none of the rulers of this present world understood it. Says, for if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. Meaning that the rulers of this word world do not understand the strategy of God, didn't understand the invasion of the kingdom, did not understand that Jesus was bringing an invisible, dominating realm to occupy the earth through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And they didn't get it because they cooperated with it. In fact, they inspired the crucifixion of Jesus. They were involved in it. They, they entered into Judas to make sure that Jesus was crucified, when in fact, that was the very plan and strategy of God to bring many sons to glory, to create Christ, little Christ, which is the, the, what we are as Christians. We're little Christ. He created a new race of human beings. He created a new breed of, of human beings that are new creations that have been born from above, that are recreated in Christ to do supernatural works, to do good works that God preordained before time began. And, God, and, the, and the enemy was playing right into the hand of God, even though it looked like the most horrible act, the most horrible event that had ever happened. And beloved, I want to tell you that God's doing the exact same thing in this day and age. He's doing the exact same age. It may look like the enemy's got the other ever uh, of upper hand. It may look like he's running rampant and, you know, just, just totally defeating the body of Christ and all oh, the world's just getting darker. And this is just all going to end with a lot of gloom and doom, but that is not the way it is. There is a wisdom that comes from above. There is a place of perceiving. There's a place of victory over the world that Jesus occupies. And we are seated with him in heavenly places. And we are not of this world. We are from a higher dimension. We are here to materialize heaven on earth. We are here to manifest the victory of Jesus in the earth every single day of our lives as we operate out of the mind of Christ and perceive the wisdom, the mysteries of the kingdom and release what God is doing in the earth. And beloved, this is why we must wake up. We must wake up because we are here to change the world, to transform the world, to occupy the world. We are here to expand the kingdom of God because of the increase of Jesus's government. There is no end. It is only an ever increasing government. And it is expanding now. And the Father is in this doing miraculous, spectacular things. And he is greater than anything the enemy can do. In fact, he uses what the enemy does and he uses it for good. He works all things out for good. He is in the good doing business, right? And it says that the rulers of this world, meaning natural wisdom, wisdom that comes from human origin, that comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that comes from us being wise in our own sight, on our own sight, and being judges, being judges of this is good, this is evil, this is right, this is wrong. That is not the business of the natural mind for believers. That is not how we are called to live. We are set to, to, told to judge not. <laughs> judge not because God is the only accurate perceiver of reality. The mind of Christ is the only sane mind that has ever existed. 
you know, when I talk about my own mental health uh, journey, you know, the truth is all of us, all of us to some degree have a splinter in our mind. We have been deceived by the world system and are operating according to the power of this world, to the pattern of this world. Why? Because we've been programmed into it. We have been programmed to be slaves to a world system, to be slaves to the natural realm and to not perceive heaven's reality, to not receive provision and healing and all of the things that Jesus has provided as our inheritance, as a joint heir with him. And so we live naturally. We live as carnal mere human beings in the place of the greatest power and the greatest victory where the risen Lord Jesus Christ is one with us. And here's the deal. The, the, the rulers of this world, the powers and principalities that are running the world systems do not have access to this wisdom. Only you and I have access to this wisdom. Okay. It says in verse nine, this is why the scriptures say that things never discovered or heard before things beyond our ability to imagine things beyond our human ability to comprehend or grasp. It says these are the many things that God has in store for all of his lovers. Right. I don't hear anything in here about tribulation. I don't hear anything about the body of Christ getting defeated. I don't hear when I read my Bible. I don't I don't read any of that in the epistles. I read about a risen, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, whose name is the name above every name and who at the knee of they must bow before Jesus Christ. And so I see an, a, a wonderful plan of God working in the midst of, of human trials and human tribulations. In verse 10, it says, but God now unveils these profound realities. What realities? Things beyond our ability to imagine. The mysteries of the kingdom. It says he unveils these profound realities to us by the spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deep mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. Okay, I'm just going to skip down to verse 12. It says, for we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but of the spirit of God, so that we might come to, listen to this, understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. Okay, the mind of Christ to be spiritually minded means that the spirit of God is operating in us unveiling the mystery of the kingdom, unveiling the inmost heart and deepest, deepest mysteries of God. And he's doing this so that we might come to understand, to grasp and to experience, listen to this, to know, to Kodonosko, to experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And what has grace lavished upon us? Everything that heaven contains. If you go into I'm going to leave 1 Corinthians here for a moment, and I'm just going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm just going to read what it says in verse 4. It says, no, I'm going to go in verse 3. It says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. I mean, this is such a deep, rich message, you guys. I mean, we could chat for hours about God's perception. Let's just chat about for half a second here about how he perceives us. You know what? He doesn't perceive us in our natural um, 
separated identities that we made up over the course of our lives that we identify as this is my self-image. No, God does not perceive us that way. He perceives us wrapped in Christ. He perceives us as who he's created us, recreated us to be in Christ. And he relates to us as, as, as though we have never committed a sin. He relates to us through his righteous nature that indwells us by the indwelling presence of Christ within us, and he sees us as holy. He sees us as with unstained innocence, if you keep reading here. God's perception of us is that we are one with him. When he looks at us, he looks at Jesus. When he looks at us, he looks at himself. And this is all throughout the epistles. If we go to Colossians chapter 3, where it talks about that Jesus's resurrection is your resurrection, God perceives that we were crucified on Jesus's cross. God perceives that we were buried with him, that we were raised with him, that we ascended with him, and that we're now seated with him. The act of baptism is simply a natural prophetic act of us coming into agreement with our co-identification in Christ. And this is how God perceives us. He does not perceive us as mere human beings. He does not perceive us as, you know, sinners just just barely inking it by, caught in a sin habit, never going to just, you know, just so powerless. No, he sees Jesus when he looks at us. He sees Jesus's body. He sees the bride. He sees the glory that Jesus, the inheritance of the saints, the glory of Jesus within us. And he perceives this 24-7. We are the ones that have a wrong self-image and operate out of natural perceptions and natural programming that we have been fed our entire lives about who we are. This is why it's so important to wake up to the identity that God perceives us with. I mean, Jesus told um, Simon that he was Peter. Jesus told Saul he was Paul. You know, Paul had a revelation. What is revelation? It's operating out of discernment. It's operating out of wisdom that comes from the spirit of God. And so I could go on and on about the way that what God perceives, God perceives heaven within us. God perceives that everything that he owns, we now own too. And great, yes, it's an invisible reality, but that's why we must be spiritually minded. We must operate in the realm of faith, seeing not with our natural eyes, but with our spiritual eyes, perceiving as real fact what has not been revealed to the physical senses. Okay, now I just want to go back to Romans. Uh, I'm sorry, First uh, Corinthians again. And I want to just find, you know, wrap up today's episode with the 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 last part of Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians two. Here's what it says. It says, after we did not receive the spirit of this world, okay. It's I'll just read start from there again, okay. So it says, for we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And then it goes into this beautiful explanation of the spiritual mind. It says, and we articulate these realities. What realities? Uh, heaven's realities, the things that grace has lavished upon us. We articulate these realities with words imparted to us by the spirit and not words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit revealed truths and spirit revealed words says someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelation of God's spirit for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. 
So the mind of the spirit to be spiritually minded means that you're operating with an illuminated mind with, with out of the revelation of God with enlightened eyes. And at verse 15, it says, those who live in the spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God, meaning they are able to analyze. They are able to actually uh, think clearly. They can evaluate all of reality, not just the reality of the natural realm, but they see things clearly and they are subject to no judgment, to the scrutiny of no man, only God. Only God scrutinizes those that live in the spirit. And then at verse 16, it says, for who has intimately known the mind of Lord Yahweh, who has intimately known the mind of God well enough to become his counselor. He says, Christ has, and we possess Christ's perceptions. So this scripture says that we have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to perceive from a different dimension. We have the ability Maybe it's not been activated. Maybe you haven't practiced it. Maybe you haven't exercised your senses to discern good and evil. Maybe you've not been around prophetic giftings and the gift of a prophet to awaken these in your life. But the truth is, this is who you are. You are designed to perceive from another dimension. You are designed to operate and think with the mind of Christ and from a place of illumination of the Holy Spirit and revelation of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be breaking this series out over the next, you know, several episodes. But man, this thing was chocked full of some good stuff today, guys. God is God has been speaking today through this message. And I just encourage you to really go back, dive into the things that I've been speaking by the spirit of God. Dive into the scriptures, dive into the reality of you having another mind, you having another way to perceive reality and what that means for your life, what that means about who you are and what that means about how God, what God can do through you every single day. So beloved, I'm out of time, but I am declaring right now in Jesus name that this is a life transforming message for you. I release an impartation that this is not just a natural message, but there is a transformation and a revelation that is coming to you that is life changing as you listen and re-listen to this series. I thank you that the eyes of your understanding are enlightened right now and that you do know the hope of your calling. And I thank you that you are hearing God about what the next step is. And beloved, for some of you, that's to schedule a call with me and my team. So you can talk, we can talk more to, uh, to you about the resources that we have to help you. And we can and, and partner with you so that you can operate in your true identity. You can discover your purpose. You can live in union with Jesus and you can get to the place where you are living as a, as a, uh, a spiritually minded person every single day. And uh, there'll be information after the broadcast here. It will be in the comments here. And I encourage you, if you have not yet scheduled a call with my team, do it. It will be an example of, of, of uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit and what it means to operate it with enlightened eyes. We see you. We're anointed to see the body of Christ is who God created them to be. And we will partner with that. And we will pray for you. And we will help you get into the plan of God. So God bless you guys. Have a supernatural week. And we will see you soon. Amen. Thanks for listening to Shalisa's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. 
You can also find a link there to download Shalisa's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.